Hello, everybody. Welcome on the Lights on Data show. Today, we're not just going to talk about data, but people and data. And we have our wonderful guest, Dr. Tom Redmond, the data doc. He's the president of Data Quality Solutions, helps startups and multinationals, senior executives, chief data officers and leaders very deep in their organizations to chart their courses to data-driven futures with special emphasis on quality and analytics. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. And yes, we are going to talk about data. But as I mentioned before, we're going to talk about people as well, because that's really the key there. People, people, people. And actually, about a year ago, we had you on the show. I think it was the second or third time that you've been on, where we talked about how regular people are missing in too many data programs. What's that all about? Can you give us a refresher? Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. And we can look at this from a lot of different angles. But one way I'd like you and your audience to think about it, if you haven't already, is just consider this question. Who does most of the data management inside a company, right? So the, uh, the obvious answer is, well, it's, you know, it's data architects, people with data governance in their title, right? Maybe chief data officers and, and so forth. Now, that seems to be the obvious answer, but there are only a few people in the company with those titles. Yeah. If you just dig a little deeper, almost everybody is doing data management. It may be as mundane as they come in the morning and they have to correct the data they need to do their job, right? They're given a bunch of stuff. Maybe they work in sales and leads have come in from marketing and they need to correct those leads. And so that's a data management task. Maybe they're setting up their own spreadsheet because the corporate system doesn't have what they need to do an analysis. And so I don't know what the factor is, but I suspect it is easily 50 times as much data work, data mm -hmm. management work is being done by people without data in their titles as mm -hmm. is done with data in their titles. I think by the way, this extends to analytics and, and data science and, and stuff like that. It's a far more People are doing lower level analyses than developing some, this changes everything model. And, and by and large, these people are doing it without any training. So nobody is showing them. So how are, is it that you're going to fix all these errors? Certainly nobody's saying, hey, fixing errors is great, but better still is to get in front of them so you don't have to fix them every day. Certainly mm -hmm. nobody's showing them how to set up a spreadsheet, how to give it a name that will make it easy to explore, whether they have to put some metadata on things how to label rows and columns and, and, and so forth. And I mean, you just think about this, right? It is people where the data action is happening, right? It is people. And a lot of what we want to do is get people to do those jobs better. And that's what I'm so excited about, right? Is this different perspective? Let me say one more thing. And there's enormous implications if you're a data professional, so it's because rather than setting up these big databases or worried about ETL or something like that, you have to be in a training role, right? You're in a role where you're trying to create leverage for yourself and the organization by working through people who are really doing day in and day out things. Do you remember 20 
20 plus years ago, people used to put on their resume that, you know what, I know how to write emails because that was a new thing. I know how to use Google because that was a new thing. Now, everybody knows it. It's not, it's a given. You don't put that on your resume. Do you think that's going to be in the future as well? In 20 years from now, people won't write, I know how to work with data. I know how to do data quality. It will just be a given. Look, I certainly hope so, George. Um, I, I, you know, you can you can take that analogy back in hundred years, and the last great economic boom was industrialization and the people aspect of it. We talk a lot about the technology, but the people aspect of that was that people came off the farm and went to work in factories, and they had to learn things like how to tell time and how to add fractions and things like that. We don't think about those things anymore. Kids complain about them in school saying they'll never need to do them and so forth. You're exactly right. Nobody says I need to know email or or I need to know how to I, I know how to Google something better than anyone else. And so I think that the skills of if you want to call it the data age or the information age, whatever you want to call it. Look, Everybody, if, if you, everybody now is in two roles, they're a data customer and they're a data creator. And the first thing we're asking them to do is get good at it, right? And if we're successful in 20 years, people won't say, nah, I know how to be a good data customer. I know how to, I know how to conduct an improvement project. I know how to make a measurement. These are the skills that people need today. And, uh, and hopefully a large number will know how to do those things in 20 years, right? It will be, I think that it will be transformational for all companies. Yeah. And I'm no better futurist than anybody, but regular people waste so much time on data, right? To free up that time. And I think we create an economic boom, a boon like industrialization. I love how you say that data empowers people. And I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit more about that. <clears throat> Thank you so much. This is my favorite question. <laughs> it's one of these things that I, when I saw it, like I saw it all over and I, I wish I had, I'd seen it, I'd seen it sooner. But a lot of people, they don't think about it very much, but a large fraction of their job is they deal with errors so they can do their work created by others. So if you work in sales, you don't develop your own leads. Leads come in from marketing, right? Marketing's got some productivity things and so forth. They just want to send leads. They don't worry whether the leads are very good or not. But So salespeople tell me that they spend half of their day cleaning up the leads data, contact data, things wow. about lead such that they can go do their job. And it's we it's almost like everyone's job are these mundane data management tasks that we talked about before and and doing their job. And, and so when they learn that, wow, it doesn't have to be this way, I can actually take some steps, be a really good data customer, work with those people over in marketing, right? Tell them what I really need, figure out with them how they can make some improvements, then, and okay, we still may have to correct some stuff, but maybe it's an hour a day, not three hours a day kind of thing. Yes. And that is right. And it's not just the freed up time. It's the ability to do it. 
It's the mm. to do it. And the uh, and I don't, I've seen it over and over again. It's the best part of my career has been watching people switch on in data quality. It's that way. Or maybe it's they can you do some simple analyses that, that they haven't been able to do before. All right. And towards the question about the delight they take, the only thing similar is if listeners who've had a five or a six or seven-year-old, whatever it is, age, the kid learns to ride a bike, right? So the kid can't ride the bike. They can't ride the bike. And you're walking behind them or running behind them, holding them. They can't ride the bike. And then they can ride the bike, right? And it's like switch went off. I can't <laughs> ride. Now I can ride. Okay. And then. 20 minutes later, it's look, mom, one hand, right? Look, dad, I can go up on this. And the kid is insufferable, right? For for four or five days, having taken on <laughs> skill. Right? And it is that way for so many people, whatever the equivalent data skills are to learning to ride the bike. That mm-hmm. So, Tom, you've just written a book. Yes. Entitled People and Data, a very powerful title. And the book also comes to mind because this this idea of people empowerment and people's reactions to being able to use data and to leverage data and to improve their workflow with data was an inspiration for you. Can you talk a little bit about that and about what made you write the book? So I, yes, I became, it really became an inspiration. I mean, there were a couple of things going on for me behind this book. One of them was simply COVID. I operate a small business. Small businesses got hammered and mine got hammered as well. And so I used the time to, to get a bunch of study groups going and try to understand why progress in, in data is so slow. And if you think about it, so we've had plenty of success stories and but still most companies struggle. Why is that? And so when I did that formally, right, looked at why is progress so slow, the number one reason that came out was failure to include regular people. And that sort of made it more analytically with the joy I was seeing in people and people really get it, getting the message. And by the way, consulting started returning. We started putting these ideas in practice. I also look back and every place I was successful, it wasn't because I was brilliant. It was because some regular person saw an opportunity and took it and ran with it. And, and so I wanted to crystallize these ideas about regular people. I wanted to be like the biggest cheerleader in the world for, for regular people to jump in. It's easy to be scared at work now that AI is going to take your job or something like that. But we're in the early stages, right? I wanted to get in company spaces a little bit, right? This if you want to change something, you got to get everyone involved and companies say they want to do this. And, and so I, I really wanted to synthesize this. Now I've done the best I can to get the articles, this sort of key ideas out in HBR, Sloan Management Review articles. Those are 1500 words. Um, and I did the best I can at that. But the idea in people and data was to be very synthetic and to take as powerful a voice as I am able, right? If you're a regular person, now's the time kind of thing. And if you're a company, you shouldn't be thinking about, it's fine to think about technology, but an awful lot of your thinking ought to be, 
how do we get everybody involved? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you're a data person, your choice is to keep doing what you're doing or get into human empowerment. Right. Mm. And I hope people and that human empowerment, that looks a whole lot more fun and productive. Absolutely. Yeah. Least, yeah. yeah. So many times the, I think the, the in the data profession, it, it's just secluded from the business. And that's when we're not seeing efficiencies as a result, first of all. And second of all, I feel there's so many opportunities that are missed. One, either let's say you're in the data science, data analytics field. And I see this often that those individuals are just so far away from the business side without having those insights and knowledge and business understanding that, yes, they are brilliant people, but without all that all that help and understanding and maybe even being within that business unit, they're not as efficient as they could be. And they're not really producing the results that the business wants to have produced. Yeah. I think you're very charitable in that regard, George. And you say they're not as productive as they could be. I talked to a bunch of them who have never had a model get into practice. But if you think about step one, in any data science project, it's define the problem or the opportunity. And you can't do that in an ivory tower. You can't do that in your office. You don't have the problem. It's somebody who's trying to sell more stuff or manage a complex supply chain, right? Or decide who to hire, who has the problem. And so from the very, very start, you can't do good data science without engaging with regular people. Right. Now, in, in your book, you're having a few stories about regular people and some of their aha moments, similar to that feeling when you are learning to ride a bike and you're like, you made it. And there's yes. one there you're talking about when you're working at AT&T and that really stuck with you and stuck with me as a reader as well. Can you tell us a little bit about it? So look, I started into data quality when I was working at Bell Labs Bell Labs was a subsidiary of AT&T. A lot has changed since then. I hope, you know, listeners don't go, oh man, he's that old kind of thing. But, but anyway, AT&T had this problem that it, its biggest single expense was something called access charges. And, and it was spending about $20 billion a year on access, which is still a lot of money. And, and, but it didn't trust the bills. And so it's erected this parallel system to check the bills. Okay. And then if we don't think you're, George, you sent me this bill. I don't think it's right. And then a fight ensues and some takes forever and so forth. And, uh, and I, I, and my team was called in to advise on that. And we took a, a not so PC quote from Mark Twain that Mark Twain said, a man with a watch knows what time it is. A man with two is never sure. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so maybe we ought to go about the problem by deciding we're going to work with the suppliers to trust their bills. Or if we couldn't do that, then we were going to work with them so that they would trust ours kind of thing. Okay. So we're going to eliminate a billing system. And we decided that we, powers that be, decided that we were going to work to trust theirs. And so that involved a whole lot of NT people being very clear about their requirements, becoming good customers, right? Recognizing where we were not, where we're not being good customers, making sure suppliers understood, putting in place some measurements, and then one at a time going after and getting to the root causes of these problems. And most of them were pretty simple 
once you understood them. But anyway, so this was my first real experience with this. And, and uh, the AT&T was good at having parties when it succeeded. And some mm -hmm. region of the country had completed some milestone and they had a party on Baltimore Harbor. And if you've been to Baltimore Harbor, it's just this wonderful place, tourist attraction, the national aquariums there. And the party was on a boat kind of thing. And, uh, and so there's a lot of people milling about. And so I'm kind of an advisor. And so it's not like I knew all these people, right? And, but anyway, so I wandered around about to go and stuff like that. And I asked this to one woman and she looked me straight in the eye like that, you know, and she got closer and said, Tom, I've worked for this place for 20 years. I've never had any control over anything, but this was different. Right. I jumped in and learned. I jumped in and I figured out how we were, what problems we were going to tackle. I figured out how we were going to work with people. I sorted things out. I never had more fun in my career. Okay. And then she went on for 20 minutes, right? To my, I did this, I did that, like the enthusiasm in her voice. And I wish I had been smart enough now then to really get the joke about this em empowerment kind of thing. I did not pick up on it at, at that time. And certainly at the time, my objective was not to empower her. My objective was to, to help solve the business problem. But when I did pick up on it and look back, I saw it over and over again. And so one manager told me, we drunk the Kool-Aid. We're not going back. Yeah. Now we drunk the Kool-Aid. That kind of has this negative connotation right in Jonestown. But he meant we saw the light. We're, this, we're changed yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, and by the way, that is so cool about what we do. It is. Uh, so rewarding, no? Absolutely. Right. It's, it's all about people. And as I would say, one other thing, I mean, the urgency of this, shake a tree and 22 articles on chat and other generative AI fall out. They have increased the ante for getting people into the game, in my view. The more powerful That's the technology, great. the more important the people are and, yep. and figuring out how to make it work, making sure it's using good data, making sure it gets questioned at every step of the way, building it into work processes. Yeah. So the title of your book, the full title is People and Data Uniting to Transform Your Business. And if we were to talk more concretely, what are the pieces of advice that you give in your book in order to unite people and data? So I, I, we could look at that at a couple of levels. I, yep. First level is, uh, and I mentioned this before, but if you're just a regular person, jump in. There, there is plenty of opportunity. I'm most excited for that. There's another, le let's go up to the highest level, and that is, is you're a corporation, Okay. And suppose, let's turn your question into how should I organize to, to make this happen? And what are the implications? And I, so as you can see in this slide, if, if we're going to put regular people front and center, then I have visually put them front and center in the slide. And, uh, and look, core data teams, they're off, as you can see, they're on the lower left. As you look at the slide, core data teams, we still need quality teams and privacy teams and data science teams and so forth. And they do have some line responsibility, but significant fraction, I'm going to say half or more of their job really becomes to help make regular people effective. And I want to build on this. 
So coordinated teams are still few in number of people and regular people, there's lots of them. And so we're working out, and it's, by the way, it's really going well in practice, this concept of an embedded data manager. And that is someone on a work team who maybe they have a fourth or a third time job, which is to be the bridge between the core, let's say, data quality team and regular people. And, and so the core data team may have developed a, a, a two-hour presentation, instructions on how to become a good data customer and, and data creator, and they teach that to embedded data managers. And then embedded data managers teach it to regular people and coordinate the work inside the, the work team. And, and so fundamental relationship between people and core data teams goes from something that's eh, every now and then it pops up to one that is happening day in and day out. Leadership and technology on the slide, we do need leaders to step up. And in people and data, I've called out two specific responsibilities for them. And of course, good data needs good information technologies. Personally, I think we dump too much data stuff on tech. And it's made tech less effective. And we have to sort that out. We have to get basic quality. That's responsibility of regular people and the departments that employ them to be implementing algorithms, new algorithms, new data science algorithms into work processes. That has to happen in the business. And technologists may organize, may automate it, right? But that Mm -hmm. work has to happen in the business. Last thing I want to call out is this thing called fat organizational pipes. And the amount of coordination, right, to really make this work is just so much more than a typical siloed organization can handle. And so this idea of a fat organizational pipe is just how do we do, how do we make this work across departmental silos. And, and you've probably heard of things like, uh, you probably heard of things like data supply chain management. So, you know, it connects things across a bunch of silos. I may have talked on your show about the need for shared language. Shared language makes it possible for people to work across organizational boundaries. Change management and change management, everybody talks about change management in the data space, but they don't do it often enough. And so change management is a type of fat organizational pipe. And to be very clear, while two thirds of people in data is devoted to people, a third is devoted to these things regular people can't do on their own. They can't build these pipes. And in effect, that's the responsibility of managers. Absolutely. And I think that's why you're mentioning that data is a team sport, right? And that's why you need not just the regular people, but also their support of their own leadership. Yeah. George, I'm really glad you brought that up. If you think about the culture of an organization, if you just look at that culture through the data window, we started with an example of marketing sends data to sales. And then sale make a sale and they send it off to operations and operations tries to send off the stuff. And then all that data goes over to finance and finance is going to bill somebody and collect the money and do the risk management stuff. And it goes over to inventory management. Yeah, we need more of this stuff and over to data science. What's the product plan for next year? As much as anything in a company. 
data bind the company together or they push it apart. Okay. Or they push it apart. And those that can get this joke and figure out how can we make it so that data binds us together, that we can be one team in this thing. Yes, I can do my marketing stuff and I can make it easier for the person in sales to do his or her stuff. Then, then it's not just individual empowerment, empowerment of the entire company. And by the way, I've been around the block. I'm not naive. This is going to be hard. Yeah. And, but I also like, we had to learn new stuff to industrialize. We're going to have to learn new stuff to, to make the data space go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a culture change and that takes time. It is a culture change that you're exactly right. It's why I ask most of my clients if they can involve their HR departments, because many HR departments have the expertise in change management sitting there often underutilized that you could really bring to bear. Now, not many chain HR departments have it, but those that do, they move a lot faster. Companies mm -hmm. move a lot faster. Yeah. You've already mentioned, uh, I think the main pillars of change management. So you mentioned leadership or what we call sponsorship in change management. You mentioned education and that data people have an educational role in a way. And you also mentioned the idea of champions or ambassadors, the people that are planted in each department to create that bridge. So it's, everything is there already. And communication is also very important to bring it into awareness yes. of everyone that it is important. It is everyone's responsibility. And it's actually wonderful to be empowered to, to work with that. So the messaging should be something positive rather than this is yet another thing that you have to do. Yeah, um, exactly right. Yeah. So let me say one other thing. This whole business about senior leadership. So a lot of data people complain my, you know, I've seen your leaders don't get it. I don't know. I've met with lots of them and every single one of them is pretty darn smart. Okay. <laughs> if they didn't get the joke, you didn't tell it right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Have a little sympathy. If you think about all the stuff that comes at senior leaders from a data perspective, it's not enough that we have warehouses and lakes. We have lake houses, right? <laughs> got blockchain now we've got ai and now generative ais we've got data-driven cultures we got this we got that we've got governance most of it doesn't work and it is a confused mess and so some things that data people have to do better is we have to engage with them on their level and give them steps that they can take that help them understand uh, one of my clients, one of my clients made a point of getting on the management committee meeting. And uh, so everybody goes to the management, whatever they tell everybody how great they are and what great stuff they're doing. And instead she went and said, here's my mandate. I can't do it alone. I need help. The best thing you could do for me is name these ambassadors kind of thing. And uh, here's the kind of people I'd really like to do. Now, management can act on that, right? Yeah. And they were motivated to do so because they saw that they were doing something for the good of the organization. And uh, so, yeah, I think this is a big, simple deal, a little humility on our part, 
would not do any harm. For sure. Wonderful. You are offering a promo code for your book, which is very generous. AHR20. And this will give you 20% off the book alongside your usual free shipping to the UK and the US. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for that plug. This book is due out in July and maybe some people are asking after July. So I haven't gotten it already, but I work with Kogan Page on, on this book and they were just a fantastic publisher and editor. I couldn't have done near as well by myself. Mm -hmm. So they can find the book at koganpage.com. Everyone, koganpage.com. And the code is again, A-H-R-20 for 20% off. And I wanted to ask you, Tom, so who is this book for? If you can say it one more time and what will people get out of it? The people in uh, data uniting to transform your business. Yes, thank you. First of all, it's for people. I'm really excited for people. By the way, let me say one other thing. There's an awful yes. lot of people are the problem running around our industry. You hear that all the time. And I'm really offended by that. <gasps> okay. Pe people may be the problem. There may be an element of truth to it, but the only solutions run through people. Okay. You're shaking your head. There, you, there's an essential reality in that. And if people are thinking, if anyone's out there thinking, eh, our problem is people, says, I know. Right. If you are looking for ways to browbeat people into submission, then please don't read this book. You'll be very dissatisfied. But this is for people who, who want to find opportunity and they want to either find opportunity for themselves or their teams or their companies. And everything in it has actually everything in it is nothing in it is common practice, but everything in it has worked and has shown an enormous benefit. Excuse my excitement about it. <laughs> there shows excitement. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Tom, for being on our show again. And uh, we look forward to having on uh, for another episode in the future. Mm -hmm. yep. And thank, thank you, you very, very much, much for the content you're creating and for the impact you're having in, in this field. So once again, the book is called People and Data, Uniting to Transform Your Business. Yeah. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you.